And so we pause for a moment. Always feels like eternity. I'd like to welcome everybody that's joining us right now for our live stream. Uh, this is just one part of our Sunday service here at City Temple. Uh, if you'd like to join us for the whole thing via Zoom, just drop us an email at the email address there on your screen, or you can join us in person here at City Temple. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to two places, Isaiah chapter 7 and 1 John chapter 4. Isaiah 7 and 1 John chapter 4. Before we read, let us pray together. Father God, thank you so much for the Bible, your word, and I pray that you'd speak to us in the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would rest on me, that I can bring your word to your people today, boldly and faithfully, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In Isaiah chapter 7, we begin with verse 10 and read through one of the great prophecies about Jesus. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, who was the king at the time, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then over to 1 John chapter 4. And I'll start with verse 7 there. John writes, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the payment, if you will, for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. 
For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. What a week it's been, you know. The Omicron variant has kind of exploded on the scene. And uh, it, it feels a bit like a, a reference to the, the theme of Jaws 2. If you ever saw the Jaws movie, uh, Jaws 2, you know it's about the big shark. Uh, Jaws 2, the theme was just when you thought it was safe to go back into the water. You know, just when you thought it was safe to go back into the world, to go back into a restaurant, or to go back into an airplane, or to take an uh, international holiday. So we got the Omicron thing, and then, uh, uh, then Karen and I, we have our booster shots on uh, Thursday. We both get flu-like symptoms for about 24 hours. And then yesterday, uh, we're taking Amy back home to be with her family over the holidays, and we spent uh, a good deal of time on the M1 car park. I know many of you think it's the M1 motorway, but it's the, uh, at times it is the M1 car park, as we discovered. Uh, and then, of course, you know, we've got all the building stuff that we're dealing with here at City Temple and all those challenges. And to top it all off, you know, we're freezing to death in the sanctuary. Uh, and you and you got to wonder, I, I mean, this is really, uh, has been in my mind, is God really with us? You know, a lot of times we think, if God is really with us, doesn't that mean that my life's going to work out? If God is really with us, doesn't that mean that everything goes smoothly? If God is really with us, doesn't that mean that uh, the world is going to love us, that the kingdom is going to advance in ways that we see, that churches are going to grow, and that we're going to actually have heat for a, the winter for a change? You know, how do we measure? How do we know that God is with us? Especially this time of year when we talk about Jesus as Emmanuel and the word Emmanuel, the prophetic name given to Jesus, confirmed in the New Testament, means God is with us. God is with us. But how do we know? Are we just... Christians who are into wishful thinking. You know, is it kind of a positive thinking, God is with us, God is with us, when God is nowhere around? How can we know that God is with us even when life seems to be falling apart? Even when we're facing challenges? Even when maybe we've lost our job or we've lost you know, family or friends or, or we struggle in some way. How do we know that God is with us? How do we know? In these next few weeks, I'm going to be focusing on that very question. Is God really with us? And if he is, how do you know? It reminds me of the, the 
the joke my brother-in-law told me one time about a thermos. And I see that, seeing Olashina's thermos over there. And, uh, and, you know, they were talking about the greatest invention ever. You know, someone said, oh, it's the computer. You know, someone said, no, the television. And one guy said, no, it's the thermos. And how can you say the thermos, the greatest invention ever? And uh, he said, well, you know, this thermos is amazing. If I put hot beverage in it, it keeps it hot. If I put a cold beverage in it, it keeps it cold. And the friend says, well, so what? And the guy says, how does it know? So how do we know? Is God with us? Well, one way that we know that God really is with us is love. The presence of love in the world. Now, when I'm talking about love here, I'm not talking about worldly love. I'm talking about biblical love. And the Bible is very clear what it means by love. Love is a zealous, self-giving commitment to another for that one's benefit. Love is a self-giving commitment to people for their benefit, not for your benefit. That's the highest form of love when the Bible is talking about it. We often call it agape love. It's a love that loves for the benefit of the other one, the benefit of the one who is loved. And that's the kind of love that God has shown us. That's the kind of love that John is talking about here in the Scripture. Now, he talks about this. He says, God is love. And we need to love each other because love, this kind of love, can only come from God. You know, this zealous self-giving commitment to others for their benefit, you can't evolve that kind of love. If evolution is true, and the way that most people understand it, then the kind of love that would be evolved through evolution is a love for my benefit, or a love for the benefit of my people, a love for the benefit of my country or my situation, not for the benefit of someone else. This kind of love can only come from God, according to John, and we believe that. And how do we see this love? We see it perfectly exhibited, obviously, in Jesus Christ. He is the one who came. He didn't sin. He never committed an error. He lived the sinless life, and yet he died on the cross as a propitiation, that is a payment, as one to stand in our place to take our sin upon himself. Now that's what I call a zealous, self-giving commitment to us for our benefit. There was absolutely no benefit to Jesus for him dying on the cross. It was all for us, it was all for his Father and his Father's glory. Now that's the kind of love that God is talking about. That's the kind of love that we see around us as Christians, and that's the kind of love that really only comes out of our biblical faith our faith in Jesus Christ. You know, it doesn't come out of Buddhism. It doesn't come out of Islam. It doesn't come out of Hinduism. It comes out 
of our biblical faith in Jesus Christ. And we see that love in the world. And we see that love manifested even in people who don't know Jesus. But we see that love coming. And we can see it all around us. So God gives us glimpses of this love showing Emmanuel that God is with us. That's really come home to me here recently. Uh, it's been true in my life for a long time, but uh, you all know Kate, who is here visiting us. And uh, we've had a, you know, a long-term relationship. We first met her about 18 years ago, Karen and I did. Uh, she's part of City Temple for a while. And uh, to fast forward, you know, we, we've loved her very, very deeply. We love her intensely. And it doesn't make sense because it's no benefit to us. There's no benefit. It's not like, you know, Kate's our flesh and blood. It's not like Kate one day is, is going to be, you know, married to me or something like that. It's not like, you know, Kate is going to take care of Karen and me when we get old. You know, it's, it's not that way. It's just this love that God has poured out in our hearts for Kate. And I was sitting and I was talking with her. We were having coffee together. And all of a sudden, you know, I just recognized the depth of this love and that it can only have come from God. And also, I began to see that she had just grown and developed in, in her own maturity in the Lord and everything. So we came to a point in time where this trip, I really felt like she was a friend. Now, not just like a spiritual daughter, which she's been for many years. Uh, I love spiritual daughters, like I love spiritual sons. I like to have a billion spiritual daughters, as you know, and a handful of spiritual sons. But give me the spiritual daughters. I would really want to release them. And I realize I'm sitting there having a coffee and we're talking. She's actually giving me some advice. You know, and I thought, you know, this is what every parent really longs for, right? For your child to grow up and become a friend. Not just your child, but actually become a friend. And I thought, wow, I've got this. And then it occurred to me, this is what God wants. He loves us so much. He's, he saved us, and he wants us to grow up so that we can speak to God face to face like with a friend, like Moses did. That's God's heart and God's desire for us, and that comes out of love. And I got a glimpse of that. But that, by all means, wasn't the first glimpse of God's love I got. You know, staying on the theme of uh, important women in my life, there was my mom. Many of you know, you may not know, I was adopted. And so I hear I had this woman who brought me into her home, who loved me and was utterly faithful in her love for me. Even when she struggled in her marriage, even when things were difficult, she stayed in for me and my sister because she loved us. It was a self-giving love. She never looked to her own benefit. She never sought her own benefit. But she lived faithfully, loving my sister and me and then loving Karen when Karen came into the family in the same way. How do you do that? I mean, I can understand loving your own child, your own flesh and blood. But something like this can only happen by the power of God. 
It's a sign of God with us. And then, of course, you know, to me, the greatest example of God's love that I'll ever have is my wife. You know, God has taught me so much. He's taught me so much about his love, uh, Christ's love for the church. I understand how much Jesus loves us as the church a lot better because of my relationship with Karen. And of course, I understand God's love for me, you know, because she's not killed me. She's not, you know, uh, she still feeds me. Uh, she still cares for me. Even when I mess up, you know, even when I am really childlike and all of this. You know, so we're, we're surrounded by these glimpses of biblical love that show us that God is with us. Now, that doesn't mean every marriage is going to work out. It doesn't mean every child is going to grow up to be a friend. It doesn't mean every parent is going to treat you the right way. You know, we're surrounded with a broken world that's really messed up and a lot of messed up people. And sin is very powerful because most people in our world have not surrendered to the power of Jesus and to his forgiveness and his mercy. And so it's never going to be perfect. We're never going to see an example, a glimpse of God's perfect love in this world other than Jesus. But God gives us these glimpses and they are reminders that no matter how difficult and stressful and challenging things are, God is with you and God loves you. But in order to embrace this, in order to understand the fullness of God's love as a sign of God with us, we need to resist the demonic distortions of love that blind us to Emmanuel. And there are many demonic distortions of love in our world today that blind us to the fact that God is with us. Thankfully, I'll only mention two. The first one is what I call the sexualization of love. This is all around us. Every time you turn on the television, every time you watch a program, every time you watch a movie, Love is all about sex. You think about every discussion we have about gender identity and all of that is really it boils down to who you're going to have sex with. How do you understand those relationships? And this is all around us and we must resist the sexualization of love. In our society, what has happened at one point in time, love was the doorway through which you marched together, husband and wife, to engage in sex. Now, for many people, sex has become the doorway through which people hope to find love. The problem is, it will not work that way. It's not the way God has designed it, and it's not going to work that way. But the world keeps trying, the world keeps pushing, and as it does, it undermines healthy relationships. You know, I've got another relationship. Many of you know my friend, Bill. I don't know if he's watching today or not from Arkansas. He is there. Hi, Bill. And uh, you know my friend, Bill. Bill and I have been friends now for more than 30 years. I met him at the seminary. And I remember Bill was the first man 
that helped me to understand one of the, the, the deepest verses of the Old Testament that men are afraid of and most men don't understand. And this is where David is uh, talking about his friend Jonathan, who's been killed. And he says this about his friend Jonathan. Your love for me was better than the love of a woman. Now, there's a lot of people who read that verse and say, well, David and Jonathan were engaged in a homosexual relationship. Excuse me. That's a lie. That's a lie. But I never fully understood that until one day, uh, after one of Bill and my long conversations, and we've had many over the years, you know, I, I just got thinking, wow, I love this man so deeply. I now understand what David said. It has nothing to do with sex. It has everything to do with the depth of male-to-male friendship that cannot be replicated between men and women. It just can't. I mean, Karen is my best friend. By far, I'm married to my best friend. But friends like Bill, there's a different dynamic to that friendship that I need as a man. And we all need as a man. And let me tell you, a lot of you men here in this church, I love you in the same way. Not the same depth yet, and I'll go on to that in a moment. So I love you, Bill. I love you, man. You know, and what's happened? You know, if I'd say that in a lot of contexts, they'd say, oh, you know, you've got some hidden homosexual desires. That's not true. That's not true. But I want to have more relationships like that. At one point in time, I thought that was just the, the purview of men-to-men relationships. But, you know, women have always had the best relationships, right? And a lot of times, we men, we've been in envy of the relationships that women have. But how much now is the world saying, oh, you two women, you're together, you have this strong relationship. Well, you must be gay or bi or something like that. It is a lie. It is a demonic deception in this world. And we've got to resist it. We must resist the sexualization of love in order to experience the full depths of biblical love. We also must resist the self-centeredness of love in our world today. The self-centeredness. You know, frankly, a lot of people are having sex right now, not because they want love, but because they want sex. And a lot of people aren't getting married because they are able to have sex all they want to without getting married. It's not the same kind of driver that it once was for guys like me when I was younger. But so often, people are out looking because they say, oh, I, I want somebody who fulfills me. That's not love. That's selfishness. That's not love. I hear that a lot with women. Not only women, also men. I don't, you know, I hopefully I'm, if I'm offending people, hopefully I'm offending both genders today. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I've heard that so often. I, oh, I want my soulmate. Well, no, don't look for your soulmate. 
Look for the person whom God is calling you to spend your life with. To be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it according to God's kingdom and God's love. That's what it's all about. So often I've, I've seen stories now where, where people were having children, not married, you know, but they say, uh, you know, I, I wanted to get pregnant. I've heard this on more than one occasion. I wanted to get pregnant because I wanted to have a baby because I wanted to have somebody in my life who must love me. That's self-centered. That's not real love. I've seen a lot of guys, you know, looking for somebody. And women, unmarried women can know this. When the guy is not really looking to get married, or they really don't want somebody to, to love, they want somebody to satisfy their lust. This is a demonic deception of love. Yes, you can benefit from love. But you know, I've discovered the great deepest benefits that come in loving other people is when I do it for no benefit to myself. When I simply choose to love them for who they are. And so we must resist these demonic deceptions because they blind us to the fact that God is with us. They blind us to God's love. Now to walk into this kind of love, we need to understand that we need Emmanuel. We need God with us because I cannot sustain the love that shows God is with us without God's help. There's a love, and we have it. But we cannot sustain it. We cannot demonstrate it. We cannot live it out without God's help. It's God's love that is poured into our hearts that we then in turn give to others. It's God's love exemplified for us in Jesus Christ that we in turn give to others. And by the way, as we give that love to other people, guess what? The world will know that God is real. The world will know that God is with us. We say they'll know us by our love. And so often, the world doesn't know us because they don't see love in us. They don't see God with us, living in us by the love that comes from us. And so we desperately need God in us and with us. And thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, he does that. In Christ Jesus, he forgives us of our sins when we surrender our lives to him. He takes away that sin that contaminates love, that makes it impossible for us to show this biblical kind of love to other people. And then God unites us with Jesus Christ. He brings us in union with Jesus and in union with one another so that we can live out the love of Jesus Christ. And then finally, God gives us his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit lives inside of us, enabling us to love. You know, the truth is, we will never sustain the kind of love 100% all the time that shows that God is with us. But we can get enough glimpses 
even in those darkest moments, to know that God is with us. And people who are living their faith out in Jesus Christ with the love of God, who love their brothers and sisters because God has first loved them, who love their brothers and sisters because it's what God wants, who love their brothers and sisters with the love that God pours in our hearts, when the world gets glimpses of that kind of love, they, like us, will know that God is with us. Sometimes it's a struggle, and it's a challenge that we face. And sometimes you can feel like God is so, so far away. But in those moments, if you're a follower of Jesus, in those moments, look for those glimpses of love, real biblical love, present all around us, because they really show that God is with us. Let's pray. Gracious God, we do love you and honor you and praise you and worship you. I thank you for the love that you poured in our hearts through your son, Jesus Christ. I pray, Father God, that you would help us to see this love as it is manifested all around us in this world. Help us to see this love and help us to embody this love. Help us to be examples of this love. Help us to love others as you have loved us and show forth that love to others as you have shown forth your love for us. Thank you for forgiving us in Christ. Thank you for uniting us with Jesus. Thank you for filling us with your Holy Spirit, all because you love us with all the passion of your being. And we love you, and we praise you, and we pray all these things through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.